Blog Talk Radio. You're a deep thinker in these issues. But where are we in... All powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. It's your brother and host, Chairman Yang and Krumah, People's Black Panther Party for Self-Determination, coming to you again on another Sunday. And I love my Sundays. <clears throat> a chance for political education, a chance for me to reiterate what we at the People's Black Panther Party are all about. Just the overall, you know, brief, not brief. Not let me don't let me say brief, but just an overall. Um, I try to make it as general and basic as possible and relatable to the masses as possible. So today we're talking about why are we afraid to be black Africans in America? What makes us afraid of that? And like always, I I go into what inspired my topic, and what inspired my topic was not just several conversations and listening to conversations of uh, very uh, studious. And I would say staunch Pan-Africanists, some Afrocentricists, but just also the state of black America, the state of us as a people, what we're going through from government oppression, economic exploitation, brutality, the whole nine, you name it, and our responses and reactions. And um, what made me say that is because I'm a firm believer in as a man thinks and believes, so a person will act. If you believe a certain way, your body can't help but to perform those actions that will bring into fruition what you believe. What are you saying, Brother Yanga? Simply this. If you think like a criminal, you're going to do criminal acts. If you think uh, like a predator, you're going to behave like a predator. 
So if you think like a slave or one enslaved, or if you think in a colonized way, you're going to behave in such a manner. And even if you believe that you're free, you're going to do the actions, all, you know, actions that people can already understand and see what you're going to try to do. I mean, your decisions and your choices. And a lot of this comes from just not accepting an identity, just not accepting that you're black here in America. So they would ask me, what is black in America? What's your position? What are you saying, you know, uh, chairman? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying this. We reserve the right to defy that. We reserve that right. The part of self-determination that I love is when it says in its philosophy that you have the right not to only determine your destiny but determine your uh, to defy yourself. We have that right, and we've been here long enough to really be able to look at ourselves as a people. I mean, everyone else recognizes it. We're targeted for other people's economic interest, for their economic advancement. They recognize us as a people. You want to make a quick dollar, target the black people. We're targeted as far as cultural exploitation and appropriation, meaning they rob us culturally. You know, I'm one of, I'm an old school cat. I'm an 80s dude, so I'm into the hip-hop and the breakdance. So, you know, though I can't do it, I'm not going to sit here and <laughs> pretend that I can twist myself up. But um, I appreciate the art form, so I enjoy watching it. And lately, the culture that has been dominating on the dance scene are Asians or the people that have been dominating on the dance scene are Asians. Why is this? Because we haven't looked at ourselves as a people. We haven't realized we're a people. And so, therefore, what we produce, we look at what we produce as a product. We look at our production as a way to get rich quick, whether it's an athletic ability, whether it's our ability to put words and phrases and sentences together to make rhymes and dope beats. Whatever we do, we've been put in such a place. One, by not seeing ourselves as a people, so therefore we don't see the need, the importance of production. So everything we do is a come-up, is a commodity, is for sale. Nothing is sacred. See, if you don't come from nowhere and you don't belong to anyone, it's all about getting in where you fit in. It's all about finding your place and finding your, your thing that will bring about that meal ticket. You understand? That's what this that whole thing is about. So the importance of the importance of recognizing yourself as a people is the beginning process of anchoring yourself to something. You know, a lot of people say, Well, how are you gonna be a nation and you don't have a landmass and you have to have a landmass? You first have to start with an ideology, with a philosophy, with a concept, with a desire. That's what the first word starts at. When you look at any nation, anywhere revolution has been waged, the people have liberated themselves and won their independence, you will find it first started as a concept. It started as a desire. 
you see, and then it evolved and grow, grew into uh, first the particulars that they needed, the things that addressed their specific issues. And they were so analytical in studying what they needed to wage proper revolution for their people with their circumstances for their particular issues that they knew what they had as resources and what tools they had at their disposal that they needed. You see? So this is this is what it's all about. So why so here's the importance of seeing yourself as a people, see, because when you see yourself as a people, uh when you see yourself as a people, then you begin to want to carve out for yourself a destiny. You begin to have a desire for something. You begin to want to have a, a, a focus. There's a wonderful book from a person that I can really say was, was a mentor and still is a mentor that I respect, Dr. Ahmad Muhammad, formerly known as uh, our Brother Max Sanford. You know, and he wrote this book in his black political thought that he said in black political thought, he said he talks about how black people suffer from the driftwood effect, how black people aren't anchored to anything and don't have any particular destination and go, so they just go with the tide and the waves. Why is this detrimental to us? Because it leaves us exposed. I don't know if anyone, I'm old, I like those nature flicks, and we always see that the predators will try to separate one from the herd and they get the one, or if they can scatter the herd. See, the safety is in numbers. If they try to go at all of them while they're running in a herd, they may be trampled. So they scatter and isolate one, but they first scatter the many. They have to spook them and scatter them in this different directions, and then they isolate that one. Same effect. You know, and that's the thing about nature. You have to love about nature. It doesn't change. A predator is a predator. So we see the same effect from these predators. But when we move as one and we realize that we're a people and that, yes, it should be taken personal, the attack against our personal, and, yes, it should be taken personal, the attack against someone of our complexion. If you're disconnected from the affliction and the pain of black people, then that is a mental issue. The being afraid of being a people in itself is a mental issue. I think this is something, you know, I asked, okay, why are we afraid of being black uh, 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 Africans here in America? I posed that question. And, you know, like I said in the last show we talked about, I think it was Tuesday I talked about on Let's Talk About, we talked about mental issues. I think that this fear, this inappropriate fear of being yourself is definitely a mental issue. And it stems from very real threats. It stems from very real threats, very real reprisals of being black here in America. You know what I'm saying? It's not, you know, when we practice this thing of escapism, I don't get upset with, I used to, in the beginning, I used to get upset with brothers and sisters who was everything but black, Africans in America, new Africans. I would have not, we're not black, we're Moors, we're not, we're Muslim, we're Christian. I used to get so frustrated. I didn't understand fully the need to escape 
even though at one point in time I participated in it, maybe I did it subconsciously for the same reason. You know, I went into religion so deeply I embraced culturalism, other people's culturalism. You know what I'm saying? The cultural expressions and mannerisms. But, you know, when I came into embracing, I'm not going to say understanding who I am. That's You know, I, I like what people you came to understanding who I am. And there's no understanding. You know who you are. You know who you are. You fight it every day. Doing what you're doing that's unnatural to the self is you're fighting your natural self every day. When you practice escapism, you know that the need for when you start getting so deeply involved and entrenched in these other philosophies and ideologies that were already pre-constructed before the experience of the black African here in America, you are in danger of practicing escapism if you're not applying your experience to it. If you're so deep in whatever you believe, to the fact that you can't, it doesn't factor in your reality here, that's escapism. And I'm not talking about twisting your reality to fit a scripture or for the particular uh, political ideology or philosophy. I'm talking about having your own ingenuity, having your own desires, having your own visions, having your own dream and enough drive of your own to begin to use those simply as building blocks and foundations to build a um, revolutionary theory and concept that addresses you specifically. Study revolution. Everybody did it. Generally, on the surface, on the top, it may have looked communist or socialist. But when you begin to go study those people, you will see where they tweaked it to address their people. Study the Cuban revolution. How Cuban communism began communism began when taken in the hands of uh, uh, um, Fidel, how he addressed the needs, how revolution had to feed the issues of his people, how he, the, the, he analyzed it to such a degree he knew where to start, where the power base would be. His revolution in its beginning was an allegorian. It was a land where they went to the mountains. They could do that. They could get the farmers. They could, can you do that in your city? What type of revolution are you waging? Have we waged? Have we really looking? Are we looking? And I'm not saying, listen, I'm not one of those people that say, you need to put this on hold until we do this. I'm not saying that. I don't believe in the linear approach. I, I believe wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly that that is European, the one, two, three. First we got to do, then we got to do, then we got to do. I don't believe African people live like that. I believe we're, we're, we're a cipher, we're secular. It's a circle. It's not one, two, three, it's all in. It has to be done. Play your part. Don't wait for one when we sitting back waiting for one. We wait for the people to do one that does one. First we got to do this. So what do the farmers do while this is doing that? Everyone must play their part actively. Seeing yourself as a people, like I said before, is seeing the collective move. Seeing yourself as a people is seeing you move, seeing is thinking about where are we 20, 30 years. And even if you don't think in those specifics, just when you see the children thinking about what future, how am I participating in providing a better future 
for my children and all children that are new African here, black African here in America. And it's that simple. We don't have to get long we don't have to get long winded. We don't have to get drawn out about it. We don't have to over you know what I'm saying, politicize it, intellectualize it. It has it must be digestible. I would even say appetizing. Make it appetizing. Black nationalism, freedom, liberation should become a way of their life. And by making it how we do we become to make it a, a part of a people's way of life is it by uh showing how it addresses everything that affects them. How you change your way of life by applying these principles and practices. That's the way of black nationalism. That's what we do. So why are we afraid of being so why are we afraid of being black? You know, I, I come to you like I said, I enjoy my Sundays because I know as a chairman I have to come out, I have to push the policies, I have to push the thing. What are we about? What are the people Black Panther Party all about? With with everything that's going on, uh, with the various formations and things, what are you guys standing on? And simply like our point number one says uh, in the 10-point platform and program of the People's Black Panther Party for self-determination, we want freedom. That's it. We want we want complete and absolute freedom. And what that looks like for us is the right to evolve naturally, unencumbered and unhindered. Un- unhindered. We want that right to be able to make our own mistakes, to be able to evolve, to be able to grow, to be able to do our thing without systematically being targeted for our descendancy because we're the ancestors of Africans that were enslaved and because uh, our skin complexion. We're too busy fighting for survival to talk about thriving. And the only aspect, the only prospect of a successful life here is integrating into a system that is historically and even now contemporarily proves to be our enemy. So that's one. We're saying that we represent the masses of all black people. Therefore, we're democratic in our processes and in the way that we operate. We we feel like that everyone should have a say. If you black, you know what I'm saying? We're not coming with no we don't it's not like no totalitarian thing. We're not trying to come into a community and stamp a flag in the community. We're about empowering the community. We we are the community. It's about how do we participate in our own struggle. I can't tell you how to do it. We open up chapters in your locale, and I expect that locale to begin to address the issues there, to ingrain them, to integrate, and to entrench themselves with the local black population there because they're part of that. They're part of that community. So it's about every day for us, it's about revolution, it's about a complete change. And like we're told, like Kim and we even say, and you can go back and check the live, he says it starts with yourself. You know what I'm saying? So we begin to change ourselves. But we understand, so that's the, the thing, we're, we're about changing other people, we believe in a revolutionary type. That's the second step. Thirdly, 
what do we believe to? Why do we believe in revolution? Why do we believe revolution is necessary? We believe revolution is necessary because, uh, like we, like I've said before, under the current system, some of its so-called citizens, which technically would be denizens, which are inhabitants and occupants of a land that possess no legal rights, you have people here who have come out of the penitentiary system, have come out of the prison system, and uh, after having been said to have served their debt to society, this is what society tells them, you served your debt to society, now go back and be a productive member. So after having served their debt to society, come back out and are marked on their record with a felony, enabling them from getting certain employment and even in certain states and cities living. I know in Atlanta, if you have a felony, you can't rent an apartment. Real stuff, real spit. In Atlanta, if you have a felony, you can't uh, rent an apartment. So this need for money, the need to live, and the inability to really live appropriately, being a grown man, having you know a grown woman, having this mark against you, being subjugated and relegated to uh, a minimal labor, the labor of what they call beginning positionings, jobs that would, for first-timers, teenagers who are just entering the workforce, fast food, grocery store, you're relegated to this as a grown man, trying to take care of family, entices you back to the criminal life, which will give them back since you wouldn't do minimal labor or free labor or, you know, I'm not going to say wouldn't do, but felt the need to supplement income to bring in some more money to help your family. And since you wouldn't do minimal labor, they will get free labor out of you. In penitentiary, it's a cycle. So we're saying with this cycle and 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 it never really being addressed, we know it exists, but it never be really being addressed. We get caught up in the sensationalism. We get caught up in the hype. We get caught up in brothers and sisters showing up with guns and and thinking that's making the mistake, and a very human mistake, a very real mistake, because revolution has been romanticized to us. Revolution has been sold to us in the image of the gun. The brother with the bandoliers, you know, the shotgun shell thing around his, his, his neck, the Braycock, uh, thing, the very Huey image, you know. Um, and we've taken that image and put our own message and interpretation behind it, and that has served as revolution for us. The images of revolution, what our whole message is behind it. No real study, just, yo, what we see, yo, this is how they did it. He stood like this, this type of gun he carried. Yo, this is how he looked. Not really understanding what was really happening. So I said that to say, while we say revolution, why is that necessary needed? Because while that has been portrayed as the image and people have stood out there with their guns masquerading as revolution, the only thing that they have been doing is exercising their Second Amendment rights to bear arms by participating in their First Amendment rights, which is a peaceful assembly. That is the only thing that they have been doing exercising their Second Amendment rights by uh, uh, participating in their First Amendment rights, which is a peaceful assembly. And why that's cool if you have said rights of the state 
or if you're a reformist, if you believe in the whole political process, or not even believe in it, or participating in the political process, because to uphold your rights, you're all in the, po- the, 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 the political thing. While all of that's cool, you need to say what it is. Don't masquerade it as revolution. Because there are people who, like I said, have come on from penitentiary, their felonies can't carry guns, can't get jobs, can't do this now because they are after having served their debt to society, because they have a so-called felony on their record, and it's can't, can't, can't. You don't have the rights of a citizen. The only viable option for them to have a prosperous, successful life is a revolution, which is a change in the system. It's not about Killing Whitey, it's not about, you know, running in the street, uh, you know, with with Kalashnikovs, with AKs and stuff. It isn't about that. It really is about changing a system that will be in favor of the people and enable the people to prosper and reach the highest human potential. That's worldwide. That's internationally. That's everywhere. Anywhere there's oppression and suppression that dampens and quails the human spirit is wrong. You know, I'm a creative, listen, I'm a faith-based revolutionary. Therefore, I believe in a power outside of myself that I call God or Allah. So I'm a faith-based revolutionary. So let me interject a little bit of my faith in there. You know, I'm not knocking my staunch or agnostic atheist revolutionary, you know, but let me interject a little bit for our faith-based. And most of my black nationalist revolutionaries feel me on this. Because there go. That's why I say there again. We have to factor certain factors. A lot of our revolutions, revolutionaries, freedom fighters were faith-based. Nat Turner, Harriet Tubman, you know, they would they believed in power outside themselves. Malcolm, power outside themselves. So you know, we could you know absolute God. We could go on and on. So this is something that we really have to take a realistic look when we talk about our revolution. It's cool. Other people do their thing. You know, but they look at their culture and history. Faith may not have played such a significant role in their development as it did in ours. So, you know, that's not to be discounted or discluded. So with being a faith-based revolutionary, I say that, you know, uh, God gave us this human potential, and that's all humans, and gave us this wonderful spaceship that floats in the universe called Mother Earth. This is a wonderful spaceship that just flies through the galaxy. And we've been given control of it. We've been made the captains of it and the caliph of it. You know, and what we've failed to do is live up to, to those duties and responsibilities. And one of the ways, yeah, that we have failed to, to do that is by, see, when you don't recognize yourself as a people, then you don't know what your mission was to see. You don't know what your people like uh, my uncle said earlier today, we were caretakers of the earth. If you don't know that you're an African people, you don't know the greatness that African people did, the contributions to civilization, to humanity, the monuments that are a testament to the wisdoms and the genius of us as a people if you don't know you came from that, you don't know what your divine mission is. And that was the purpose from divorcing you of seeing yourself as a people. And not just in antiquity, not just in ancient, you know, not just in ancient history, but I'm talking about now, you know, and more modern history. 
from now into the, you know, three, four hundred years ago than the whole new African experience. You must know that you're a people so that you can claim the greatness that came out of that. The Malcolms, the Benjamin Bannockers, the Madam C.J. Walkers, the Harriet Tubmans, the, I mean, in every field, science, medicine, art, literature. I was just watching something earlier with uh, James Baldwin. Netflix, I am not your Negro. That's what it was. You know, so if you don't see yourself as a people, you won't feel connected to all dynamic people that have come out of this new African experience. You will bite into the thing that we were nothing, that you came from slaves. And you did not come from a slave. You came from an African that was enslaved. Watch my live with Jeremy Carr. He talks about the enslavement, the uh, capture, the transportation, and the in, and the sh- capture, the shipment, and the enslavement of the African. See, seeing yourself as a people, you will know the history and the process that it went went into making you from one people to niggers. You will know the process that went into making yourself seeing you not as a people to just individuals. So it's very important because. Once you see yourself as a people, you see the attack as a whole. If it's personalized or internalized, sometimes you don't get the bigger picture. You're busy fitting off personal little attacks coming at you, your bill, your this, your that, oh, this bill, that bill, this. You're fighting your personal attacks, you're fighting them alone, and you don't know that it's a bigger picture called economic repression and exploitation. You're being targeted. You're not alone in that fight. And when you realize you're not alone in that fight, you and a couple of you like, man, these bills kill me. I'm say, mine too. And then somebody, somebody finally say, excuse the language. You know, it's a family show, verbiage alert. Somebody finally says, fuck that. Yo, it's 100 million of us will get fucked up bills. There's something going on and you begin wanting to change it. But when you're individualized and isolated, you see yourself exactly what you are, weak. Alone, you're only so strong. Alone, you're only so strong. And that's how they want to keep you seeing yourself, individual and and, and isolated. So we go back to initially what I said, knowing your history, seeing yourself, seeing, seeing yourself as a people gives you the right to see yourself in all ancient African history from Songhai to Timbuktu, Egypt to the Sudan. It gives you that right being a new African, knowing your people saying, I came from African people. It gives you the right to claim the greatness of Africa. It also gives you a responsibility to your mother now. Don't get it twisted. There's never something for nothing. Claiming her greatness, claiming her divinity, claiming Africans' wonderfulness, and I, and I want to say her godliness without going into too much, but just how sacred Africa is to us, when you claim that, then you have taken an oath to defend that, to honor and cherish that, and to uphold that image, and to fight to keep that, to keep that very thing you're saying sacred, just that, pure and sacred. So that's one of the things we want to look at. Secondly, like I said, claiming the, uh, the new, from the new African experience. Seeing yourself as a people claiming from the new African experience. When you see that as a testament to perseverance, to courage, 
to our patience, to our fortitude, to just this strength that we hold and have. When you see that as that, then, uh, and when you know that, then that encourages. That takes it to a whole nother level. You see? So this is what this is what the People's Party is about. And this is what this particular is, is program is just about. It's just to re-encourage and just to motivate. Just to, I know there's been, you know, I've been heavy on the programs. We have programs constantly coming on. My chief of staff, my national director of operations. I have a program with my uh, brother and sister, uh, Shaka and Mosquita. And, and we're, we're hitting you with the political education. This time I wanted to take some time just to inspire you. I want to take some time to really just talk about your greatness and really say, yo, man, what's, what's making you really afraid to just embrace it? What's making you afraid to say it? The world has said it for you. When they murder you, they call you black man. When they take, you know, when they emulate you internationally, they say black culture. When they target you for your dollar, they target the black community. So the world has recognized it. The world has said it. It's just that you haven't embraced it. You haven't recognized it. And I think a lot of it is because of the stigma that has been attached to it. It's tough. Nobody wants to be the nigger. I understand it. I'm definitely not a nigger, so I understand nobody wants to be that. Being black here in America is tough. The stigma that's attached to it. It doesn't mean, but we demand, like I said, the whole power of self-determination is you reserve the right to defy yourself. You make the power in the name. You make the power in the name. My father and I were talking one time, and he was saying that there used to be a saying where they said that they don't stand a Chinaman's chance. So, you know, you can redefine, you defy the power by the moves that we make. You know, and it's to, and it starts simple. Like I said, it doesn't have to be these lofty, grandiose things that have us to start. It starts simple. One of the things we talked about again, my father and I talked about, is accountable spending. We talked about accountable spending. You know, and in the uh, and when we talk about accountable spending, because we may not have the production power, we may not have the power to um, produce exactly what we need in, in our communities. But we have consumer power. As limited as it may be, we have that power. We have the right to say where and who we're going to spend our dollar with. You don't have to spend your dollar. You don't have to. And so when you know that you have that right of where and who to spend that dollar with, then you can make them earn that dollar. See, we have to get out of the compulsive spending. Feeling the need that we just have to give that dollar away. What uh, my mother used to call it, burning a hole in your pocket. You know, we have to get out of compulsive spending. Very bad habit. And once we start demanding and knowing the power of this is of this so-called consumer power and that we have the right to demand things, I think that, like I said, I'm a believer that behavior, that actions, that mind will dictate behavior, I know that we will begin to be able to do better. Listen, I'm going to close it with that. 
I I know it was my night to talk to you. So I talked to you um, from your chairman. Definitely we will see you next time. And next time I come on, I just may have a surprise for you. Um, And we, you know, definitely open up the lines and everything. But I know it was time for me to rap to my people. Uh, They said, you know, chairman, listen, you got to rap to the people. Let them know where we at with everything that's going on. So this was my take on everything that I want to speak on. Love your people, man. Know that we come from one another. And I believe in starting simple. I believe in the basic foundation, basic building blocks of just caring for one another. And I think once we try that, we begin, once we just start trying loving one another, we begin to care for one another's well-being. And once we care for one another's well-being, we want to see one another do better and we'll do the actions to make better conditions for our people. With that, I leave you as I greeted you. All power to oppress people. African power to an African people. Life's a living hell, puddles of blood in the street, shooters on top of the building, government 